This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. This show is, in my view, up front, up close, and a wake-up call. Ah, music to Kevin Frankish's ears. The longtime and much-loved host of Breakfast Television got his start on the groundbreaking morning show as its overnight assignment guy, gathering news, traffic, weather, sports, and cat-stuck-in-trees stories to help get Toronto ready to rise and shine. But it was actually Frankish who did the rising and the shining, quickly moving into the show's lead news anchor role, suspenders and all, eventually embracing several other important positions that helped him become the man we woke up with, I mean, we woke up too. Kevin Frankish joins us now in conversation. Welcome to In Conversation, Kevin. Great to have you with us. Yeah, I love the intro because you know how many (laughs) women would always say to me, you were in my bedroom as I woke up every morning. And then the husbands would sort of glare at me. But yeah, very nice to be here. So nice to talk with you. And you know, a lot of women thought that they were the only ones who ever came up with that notion, too. We all like to think that we're original, don't we? (laughs) But I, in a way, kind of did wake up with you, almost literally. I mean, we were in the same room for so long at such an early hour. Kevin, let's go back in time. I want to know when it first occurred to you that you wanted to be on television. Well, that occurred a long time. Like I was 14, and I started a high school with, at, a, at a high school project at, at a local cable station in North Bay. So that's when I knew I wanted to be on television. I knew I wanted to be on city TV when I first went to Canada College in North Bay, and I'd never, I grew up in North Bay. I had never heard of city TV. And so there was a little newspaper article about this guy named Moses Zimmer who had this crazy idea. He wanted to put cameras on every street corner in Toronto, and he just wanted to watch the city live and breathe. And I went, that's where I need to be. And everything I did for the next 10 years was aimed at going to city TV. And that included a stint at CKVR, uh, and it's been through many name changes in Barrie. And you actually set up camp in Barrie. What was that experience like for you at CKVR? Who taught who when it came to, you know, learning? Was it you teaching the station or the station (laughs) teaching you? (laughs) No, I learned so much there. I cut my teeth there. Um, There was just... Absolutely incredible days there. Those, those were absolutely wonderful days. It's too bad that we don't realize that these are the good old days when we're in the good old days. <laughs> I never realized it then. And, you know, same as with breakfast television. You never realize, man, these are the good old days. So we kicked off breakfast television in 1989, September the 6th. We didn't have you at that point. And we were, you know, we were trying everything new. We were, we were hash marks in terms of ratings at that point. Only my parents were watching and the parents of other (laughs) staff members and on air on the show. Along comes Kevin Frankish. How did that happen? How did you end up coming to your dream station, City TV? Well, I had, um, because at the time, City TV and CKBR and Barry were both owned by the Chum Corporation. And so finally, after about eight or nine years, I'd worked up the guts 
to, <laughs> to say, I want to go and do something there. I don't care if I have to sweep the floors or whatever. Uh, incidentally, I did my internship there when I was a student as well. Um, so I just went and, and I ended up writing on the weekends for the weekend news while still working five days a week at CKBR Barry. So I was working seven days a week, but I didn't care. And I would do, anytime I saw Moses in the hall, oh my gosh, I would bother him. I would bother him, I would bother him, I, I would bother him. And then somehow this position came open where they wanted to, they, it was when City wanted to be 24-hour news, the first TV station to do that in Toronto. And uh, they said, we need an overnight news make. Me, 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 me. I was, <laughs> pushed everybody aside. And I said, Kevin, it's working midnight till nine. You're kind of almost a veteran in this business now. You should, no, I want to do that. So I did that. And, and it was hell. (laughs) It was fun, but every hour to find news going on in the streets of Toronto and to be on the air every hour and stay awake. (laughs) Um, It it was, but it was, it it was so wonderful. It was so, and my day ended with breakfast television, of course, doing traffic. Which was the best part of our show, quite frankly. So how did, (laughs) and and, you know, I was here for all of this and I just don't remember the the specifics of it. I'm not sure that I recall how you made the move from the overnight guy, I don't know how you did it, to being (laughs) such a focal part of breakfast television. What were the, what were the steps in that one? And I, I can't tell you, it was a secret plan. Um, I had I, I either decided world domination or <laughs> I would do the news on, on breakfast television. Right. I went with the breakfast television thing. Quite honestly, I don't know. It just sort of, it just sort of, ha- I think they got tired of me. I think they got tired of me asking, can I do this now? Can, can I do this story? Can, can I do this? I think they just got tired. Oh, for the love of God, will you just put them on the news anchor or something like that? <laughs> With your suspenders, and that's something I remember well. And you were so well known for many reasons in the in the very early going, and that included the suspenders. When did that fashion uh, accessory become important to you, Kevin Frankish? <laughs> it actually did when I was at CKDR and Barry, and the only reason was because I was I was doing a business report called The Bottom Line, and they thought it would be better if I wore suspenders to look the part. So that's where it started. It just, and then it just, I just stayed with it. Mm-hmm. BT's approach to news and really to everything was, was groundbreaking. It was, it was incredibly new and, and uh, a lot of people had trouble in the beginning trying to figure it out for what I was doing in the lobby, what you were doing in terms of news. One thing I really admired about you, and I still do, is your tenacity. So you would come from Barrie first thing in the morning, down your best friend, the 400, but you would stop and shoot news along the way. And that I found to be quite incredible. Do you know, I figured it out once that because I lived in Barrie most of the time, I didn't move down to Toronto until like my last two years at City. I put it all together. I have driven around the circumference of the earth, the distance, <laughs> 23 times. The distance driving from Barry to Toronto back and forth all those years. And you know every but single yeah. road stop as well on up and down the 400. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could, uh, you know what? That highway has so many stories for me, so many incredible stories for me. And things that just sort of happened. 
You know, I didn't go looking for news. News came looking for me all the time, it seems. Let's go back to 9-11, and that was one of the biggest breaking news events ever. And it was something that Breakfast Television and you, I thought, really perfected, and that was the coverage of breaking news, whether it was local or or beyond our borders. But then 9-11 hit. How did that impact you? How did that event and the way it was covered by City TV and Breakfast Television, how did that impact you as a newsman? You know what? Um, it was <clears throat> something that uh, we had a small news team, but that really was where we shone, you know, and, and, and I, uh, is on breaking news. And when 9-11 happened, it was, you know, I just had noticed off to the side, we had, we had all these monitors, all these TV monitors off on the side wall, and it, it, it had all of our news feeds. We had news feeds from CNN, we had news feeds from NBC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there would just constantly be, there'd be video pop up there. There'd be, sometimes live things would happen there. So if we saw something interesting, you know, a police chase in LA or something like that, we'd go to it live. We would just take it and we would, we would just take our chances and say, hey, this is interesting on the satellite feeds right now or we're getting information for you. We tried to be as accurate and factual as possible. So we saw the World Trade Center, which it was obviously the World Trade Center. We saw smoke coming out of it. And we just went to air. We said, okay, it was about 10, I don't know, what, was, what time was that? I can't remember. It was just before 9 o'clock. And we were about to go off the air. And we saw the smoke coming out of it. We, were, we had it on the air before any other station, before CNN. CNN had it up on their news feed. They hadn't put, gone to air with it yet. Wow. So we were actually first, and we were on the air for five or ten minutes before we even realized that it was a plane that had gone in there. And so the thing, too, is with breaking news is, is you try and be as factual as possible, but at the same time, you've got to pe- give people some context. So we're watching this. There's smoke coming out of the building. We're not sure exactly what happened. Uh, there are broken windows, so there was either something went into it or something exploded from within it. You know? So we, we tried to be that. But then the gravity of the situation um, uh, really started to present itself, and then the second aircraft went in. And, and our producer, Bud Pierce at the time, said, uh, we're staying on the air. We're just staying on the air. He just, he just <laughs> called, like, to do that, to throw away all those commercials yep. and to make a decision like that is not done lightly, and I don't think we've ever done it. Yeah. So we stayed on the air, and we were on the air until, and they're trying to get Gord Martineau in. Like, Gord Martineau's the big guy. So uh, I'm just the junior news guy. So, but it, it, we also didn't have access to a lot of, we didn't have access to any reporters or anything else other than the visuals. So our news team went together, putting together, they kept throwing papers in front of me. This is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And it was, you know, it, it was nerve wracking, but we were on the air constantly for, for hours. And, and, and Gore came in, took it over, and, and, and did a brilliant job as usual, carrying it through the rest of the day. I think it was a defining moment for you in your career as well. I certainly can understand how something that impactful and how you handled it could sort of help you determine what your next steps were going to be. I think it went, I think it was the, the most important thing was it was, show, it was showing people that we could be their go-to place for news and that we would try, that we would try, we would do it responsibly. Yes. And we would do it in, in the best interest of journalism. And so I think we, we sort of proved a lot of things to a lot of people who, who like you say, I love, I love, I love my cat and tree stories. I'll do those. <laughs> but we 
can also do major breaking news as well. With a local angle to it, which I think was very, very important, and it's something that City TV has continued to do, as has its spinoff, CB24, local, but looking large as well. Yeah. Hey, can we talk about CP24? What, sure. What, what a perfect station. Like that thing, we, you know, you and I, we, we were both there at its creation. And remember the T-shirts everybody used to wear? Used to wear? I, built, I built a TV station in 100 days. Because yeah. that's what they did. They put this, this thing together. CP24 has not changed really dramatically since the beginning. You know, the, the, the way the screen looks has changed. It's become digital as opposed to analog. But for the most part, like, it, it wasn't that exciting for us to both be on the ground floor of something that is still viable today and, and, and still is, you know, an industry leader. And tells a story as it's happening, whether, again, it's local or beyond our borders. I remember one of the... Uh, concepts was to have the reporters report from inside the news vehicle en route to the situation, which Mm -hmm. I thought was brilliant. They don't do that as much now because they tend to be in the situation immediately. But yeah, it it has maintained its integrity and its original purpose. And it is everywhere all the time. And the only difference is you're not on it any longer, nor am I. (laughs) Kevin, I got to ask you quickly, you've had some really interesting co-hosts. And that was one of the moves that you made from news guy to news guy and co-host. So let's talk about Liza Fromer and Dina Pugliese. And then, of course, there's <clears throat> moi. <laughs> your, your, lead, your, your leading ladies on air. What was that like for you to, to share, but to have, you know, that sort of camaraderie, but also maybe sexual tension, too? Oh, there was a lot of sexual tension. Um and you know, she. You know, I, 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 I'm sorry. I had to turn you down so many times. But <laughs> I kept asking. No, you know what? No, it's funny you say that because you know I got to love all three of you so very, very much, and people could see that at home. And literally, you were my. You know, I think it's that term, TV wise. You were. And, and when one of you would, would leave and someone else, it, you know, there was an adjustment. And there was also that kind of, wait a minute, where did Ann go? No, 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 Ann and Kevin. No, no, don't do this to me. It's Ann and Kevin. So um, they, they came to realize that we had a chemistry, um, that we worked together, that, you know, <laughs> I think we spent more time with, uh, with each other than we did our significant others. And Dina, so, you uh, spent the longest time yeah. with Dina. How many years were you together as as TV husband and wife. <laughs> um, you know what? I think you might know better than I. I'm not sure. I'm terrible with time. Um, and and the, the, the great thing is, is that I can say, people always say, oh, you know, what, what's that armor like? Say, well, what you see on the air is what you like. like and and isn't, it, isn't it true that it would be hard to be anything but yourself on breakfast television? Especially, it really would have been hard. Especially too. that early in the morning. And I do, I believe you, and I, I sense that when I look at any morning television because it's raw. You know, you roll out of bed, you pull yourself together, and then you join people in their living rooms or in their bedrooms. So who you are is what you see, and what you see is who you are. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I mean you can't put a sumo suit on and and try and and be someone else, right? <laughs> or be bitten by a tiger in the groin as I was, and I'm sure you, you you had so many things happen to you as well on live television. Kevin Frankish, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how your life changed in the blink of an eye when it came to your mental health. Stay with us. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Welcome back. We're with Kevin Frankish, and we're talking about all things good in the past and what a wonderful future you have. But let's talk about something right smack in the middle, Kevin. So your career is going great guns. You're doing so well on breakfast television. People know you. They love you. You have a panic attack on the air in 2006. Can you tell us what happened? I didn't know what it was. I, did, I didn't. Uh, I've never had a panic attack before. Um, it just, all of a sudden, I felt like I, it's very hard to describe, just felt like I could not be there. I just felt, I, I can't be here right now, I have to go home. It's the middle of the show. I have to go home, I'm going home, I'm going home right now, and I, and I left. Wow. And I went home, and I remember distinctly driving up Bathurst and just breaking out into tears, just crying. I thought my career was over, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, and then I get a, a call from uh, our, um, our our news uh, director um, uh, Tina Cortez, and uh, she says, "Are you okay?" And I said, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know why." She said, "Don't worry about that. Are you okay?" And you know, it was it was that I needed that initial strength right away to say, "Okay, you know what? Take a breath. Calm down." Let's, let's see what this is. And so the next day, uh, I came back in. Uh, it took a lot of, uh, of energy to do that. And um, I thought, I owe the audience an explanation. Why would, why would one of the hosts leave in the middle of the show? So I just thought, out of, just out of an explanation. So I told people, I think I had an anxiety attack, a panic attack. I'm, I'm going to see a doctor. Uh, I mean, it's po- quite possible I have depression. I don't know. Now, this is just before social media, so I got that later on throughout the day, 1,500 emails wow. from people and saying, I thought I was the only one that happened to me. I had that. Is that what it is? I didn't know that. And it really, really struck me that how can this many people be living alone with what they think is something that's only affecting them? And I thought, I got to talk about this. I got to let let people know this is this is normal. Did it, <laughs> you know, it's not normal, but but it's normal. Did it make you feel better to know that you weren't alone? You know what? Yes, yeah. And I think the more I talked about it, the more it just became. Eh. You know, I live with depression. I was later um, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and severe depressive disorder. And so having all those people, and when I mentioned that on air, again, the support comes in from the viewers. I know that you felt the same way. We, we garnered our strength, our real strength from our viewers. Even before social media, even before email, really, we were trying to engage our viewers one way or the other. And so we'd read a fax 
right on the air or something like that. Hmm. And people would say, that's crazy. Don't do that. That's got to be vetted. No, 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 no. But um, that strength that came from the viewers is what really helped me the most. So now I'm very proud to say uh, I don't suffer from depression. I live with depression. Hmm. Interesting way to put it. Interesting way to put it. So, Kevin, did you seek medical help uh, immediately, and and how was it helpful? What was that medical help? Well, I mean, who else would I turn to except friends of Breakfast Television? So Bryce Wild, uh, who is an alternative uh, medicine expert and just an you know alternative health expert, uh, he's he's a very good friend of Breakfast Television. Um, I went to him. And he helped me immensely and, you know, got me to calm down. And, and in fact, today he's still a very dear friend of mine, and we still work together on many different uh, mental health issues. Kevin, was your recent departure from Breakfast Television, was that difficult for you? Did you understand it? Did it even affect your mental health at the time? Um, can I be perfectly honest? Please. I was gonna, just going to be perfectly honest. Yep. Things started happening as the, uh, the the top brass started changing over, and they, you know, they were making decisions that were not an I felt the best interest of City TV, but more in the best interest of uh, the budget, and I started to kick back. I started to push back. Breakfast Television. You know, I was one of the last of the originals left. And, you know, Moses is gone. And so I felt it's my duty to protect what we had, what you had worked on, what John Whaley had worked on, what Steve Anthony had worked on, what Bud Pierce had worked on. I was the last one left to defend it. And so I became a bit of a jerk. I, I, I'm going to say that openly. I, 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 I openly said no to things they wanted to do. I fought against things. Uh, and, and so I think finally <laughs> they just had had enough of me. And they said, uh, they, they called me in to a meeting one day and then asked me to hang around afterwards. And they just said, um, uh, this was your last day today. Oh. And it was a shock. It was a shock. It was, you know, I did not see it coming at all. I mean, I deserved it, Dan. I deserved it. I would have got, I would have kicked my butt out of there months earlier. But I deserve it. But they said, that's it. This was your last show today. They, I think they allowed me to come back to say goodbye a few weeks later because I think they had to. That was the only reason they allowed me to come back and say goodbye uh, was because they had to, that there would have been you know, an uproar from, from our viewers if I hadn't been allowed to come back and say goodbye. The story was I was retiring. I was moving on. Yep, yep. Um, but it was not. It was not, it was not mutual. I was devastated, but in the end, I realized that my journey with Breakfast Television had run its course. It had run its course. Um, I, I, you know, so it ends up being a favor to me, but it was, it's been scary for a few years. It's been very scary. I got to tell you, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but... Oh, you, you being so honest, it's like you have split open your gut, your heart. <laughs> this is the Kevin Frankish I know and love. Well, they, you know what? They did what they had to do. The executives were there for a reason. They, they don't bring people in like that just by accident. They, 
times are changing for television. It's earning less money. Uh, the, 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 the fight for sponsorship and the competition for sponsorship was, was intense, but sponsors weren't spending as much, so, so we're losing money. So they came in and they did things that they felt were necessary as executives. I did what I felt was necessary as, some, as one of those who helped to raise breakfast television from a child. And, and so I don't, I don't begrudge them doing that. I really, really don't. But I just wish they were honest about it. But, I mean, be open. Uh, it's fine. No, you know, life goes on. Things happen. We know this in our industry, how it's not that unusual for a disc jockey or somebody to be called into the, the, the TV's office or into the news director's office and say, yeah, you're, you're not going back on the air. That's what our industry is. So it is what it is. It was what it was. Hmm. Uh, it hurt at first, but it was the kick in the pants I needed because now what I'm doing, I'm working on mental health advocacy. Yep. I'm doing a podcast, doing a live stream. I'm doing public speaking. I'm doing webinars. Um, at a time when mental health is so important and there are so many lonely people out there, there are so many people hurting and they just feel alone. So maybe it was meant to be, you know, they did me a favor. That's a great way to look at it. Was your marriage one of the casualties of this? My marriage, uh, and, and again, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be very frank. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that we had grown apart. We were growing apart, whether it was because of the hours, maybe. I mean, I went to bed at 7, seven o'clock at night, uh, and I was gone when she'd wake up in the morning. So maybe. Um, it, uh, we're still, we still talk. We're still amicable. Um, so, you know, it, that is still there. So it was not, it was not horrible, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, yourself that relationships can really take it on the chin in, uh, in this industry. So we fast forward to today. You've met someone, you love someone new, you have a great podcast called the happy molecule. How would you describe your life right now? And why has it come to this point? Um, you know, there, there's another example that I hope I can be setting because there are so many people who uh, reach their late 40s and early 50s who find themselves being downsized. Uh, companies are getting rid of, of higher paying, uh, of, of the higher salaries. Um, and sadly, unfortunately, journalism, I think, has suffered in Canada as a result because all the senior people are gone, all of them, gone. And they're not there to teach the younger ones. I see big, big mistakes being made. Um, but, you know, not just in this industry, but in, in every industry, there's, there's change, and older people are now being let go in their late 40s, early 50s, but we're not ready to retire. We can't retire. You know, there was a day when, when you were 55, you had freedom 55, oh, yeah, you can retire. No, darn it, we're living past 65 these days. Yes, so, we are. <laughs> You know, you literally are at midlife. But now I decided, and I hope other people take this this um, this piece of advice. I want to do the next part of my life on my terms. I don't want to do a job that is a grind that I I don't like waking up to. I want to do something for me. I want to do something that makes a difference. I want to do something that's going to keep me interested. Uh, you know, it, it, we're we're not. 
we're not like our parents were when they were our age. Well, not your dad. Good Lord. <laughs> your, your, dad, your, your dad has been 25 years old and hasn't, hasn't stopped. The ever-ready bunny. <laughs> the, 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 you know, most people, by the time when, when, when we were young, when you were our age, you were old, right? Yep. And, and we're not. Bottom line yep. is, you know what? Uh, enjoy. Enjoy. By all means, you have to work and you have to do things to, to support yourself. But there's no law or no rule that says you can't enjoy work, that you can't enjoy doing something and being productive. And happy. And happy and content. Kevin Frankish, my friend, thank you for joining us in conversation. That's it? That's it? That went so fast. <laughs> You're brilliant. Love you, Annie. Love you, too. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.